Welcome to Everyday Superhero, where each week we share how everyone can be a superhero, one world changer, one loving and positive thought at a time. I'm your host, Vanessa Canavero, and I'm ready to dive into this week's podcast adventure. So buckle up and get ready to dream big always in all ways. For show notes and to find out a bit more about me and my coaching practice, my speaking engagements and all that fun stuff, head on over to thedreambiglife.com. See you there. Well, good morning, everybody, superheroes. I have I got an amazing show for you today. I've got the most incredible guest. My guest has struggled with mental health, sexual abuse, homelessness, identifies as non-binary, and is a very successful multi-entrepreneur, and has definitely been a wonderful human being and constantly giving back to this world. So everybody, please, please help me welcome my great friend, Sebastian One. Hello, my friend. Hey, Vanessa, it's great to be here. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Well, I'm so excited you're here because we've known each other. It's like two years now, I think, right? Two years? Well, technically speaking, I know you for 20 plus years, but yes, two years. (laughs) We have a back story. Like your sisters. (laughs) Yes. Ah, that's awesome. Okay, so I'm going to ask, I have a bunch of questions for you, and I know it's going to lead to so many other questions because you've got such a diverse background and you've done so many things. And I'm going to get you to start with who you are, first of all, because you, there's so many pieces to you, my friend. Like, there's so many pieces to you. So tell us a little bit about your childhood and growing up, so just so we can get a feel for how this magnificent person came about. Well, that's very kind of you. Uh, I think I had, um, I'm just like another, any other child, had a very normal upbringing. In fact, one thing that I can say given my origin and given the country and culture I come from is something I'm grateful for is my parents have always been very, very forward thinking people, very progressive, way progressive, way ahead of their times and their culture. So even as a seven year old, I was able to ask my father, what is homosexual? And I didn't get a birds and bee talk or don't say this and don't say that. I actually got a question back from him and he said do you think you are one and I said I I don't know I what is it and he actually in very simple terms explained to me when two men love each other and it's just like your mom and I love each other but it's two men and I think at seven years old being from India uh, that's way forward and way you know progressive had a great childhood. My parents gave me everything before I could ask for. And this is coming from parents who actually never got anything that they asked for in their lives. They struggled through poverty. They struggled through, you know, parental abuse. They struggled through a lot of things which they didn't want me to experience. And that's really exactly what they made sure that I should not have. And uh, uh, as far as they could control, I never experienced anything that my parents would not want me to experience. Um, Really early on, not only my uh, sexuality, but really early on, I started questioning many other things which were not normal about me, so-called normal. And I was barely 12 or something, and I just really, really wanted to do social work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, until you're 18, there are certain things you can't do. You need parental... Uh, consent and that's where again my parents are amazing because 
they made it happen. They made sure they gave all the consents, they created everything, they organized things that they needed. So very early on, I knew that, you know, the technical word is philanthropist, but I just was that person who needed to do more for others for no reason. Like I had not seen anything in my life for which I needed to help others, but my heart knew I needed to help others. Every time I saw somebody begging on the street, that hurt me. I saw somebody, you know, beating up their child that hurt me. I saw somebody bullying their peers. It was it was too much for me. So I just think overall, my childhood has been very progressive, very very informative, and I I would. I, I wouldn't say I, I was raised by my parents. I would say I was raised by my best friends. And that's what we called each other because they called themselves. So, you know, dad was partner two, mom was partner one, and I was little partner. So <laughs> that's partner. what we called each other, you know, partner one, partner two, and little partner. So, and that's, that's really my childhood always has been. So what great role models for you, first of all, right? To first of all, being your dad being so understanding and not jumping right away. Why did you hear that? What, you know, who said that, Right where right away it comes from the approach, okay, so do you think that you are? This is what it is, right? Like, let's loving. Absolutely. And you definitely uh, learned I that from your parents. The great thing about my dad was, uh, I have never seen him angry in my life. Maybe once or twice. I do even actually remember the instance, but I have never seen him angry. I've never seen him frustrated. And uh, he, he wasn't also, a, you know, kind of a religious person or something. So, it wasn't that he was calm because of some belief or faith or, you know, a system. That's just who he was. Mm -hmm. Very confident, very, uh, you know, uh, capable, um, the typical macho man, but no arrogance and no, let's put it this way. You could not mess with him, but also you were never intimidated by him. And even mm -hmm. everybody saw him as his friend as their friend whether you're a five-year-old or you're a nine-year-old everybody just loved hanging out with him and he he would become a five or 90 depending on who he's hanging out with he can so, relate absolutely and i think i think that's for me when i said really if i could become 10 percent of what he was i think i did life right that's amazing Amazing parenting, amazing, amazing role modeling, and definitely you can see in who you are now, right? What they they did when you were younger, it set you up for being the amazing human you are right now. So, you you were homeless at one time. So first of all, how old were you? How did that happen? And what was the turning point for you? So, I moved to Australia as a student, and you know did really well in studies. Uh, which is funny because I had never been a great student. I was average all my life. I had no interest in studies. And as, as I already gave you a hint, my parents never pressured me. For them, it wasn't the books and not the degrees. It was what I was learning in life, you know. And I learned a lot despite the books, you know. Um, but when I came to Australia, I had my own drive. I just had my own dream and I knew there's something I need to do that's my own. Uh, studied really well, had great education, really great results. I think I was, if there's a measure, I think I was on top in everything that I did. I also became the vice president of uh, 
the student uh, association for three long years. Uh, like I had everything that anybody hopes when they move, when they migrate to a new country, I got everything that I needed. First few months were years typical, of course, you know, you're in a different culture, you're trying to set up and everything. But what happened over the years was, and it, it's not that it happened really early on, I was already settled, settled in Australia for several years, had a great career, had a great job, uh, which I'm very grateful for everything that I learned there. But somewhere down the line, I fell for wrong people. I, you know, romantically, I got involved with wrong people. Mm -hmm. So I fell for somebody. It's just, wow, I've actually never talked about this openly. Um, so I fell in love with someone who was already married. And it was a struggle already knowing that and yet not being able to stop myself, but I was impressionable. Um, this gentleman was very good at what he did. So, you know, it was something he did with younger guys. So he knew that how to charm them and I, it worked. Struggle for me was, there came a time when I realized, well, it was real to me that his wife and my boss are the same people. And for me, the minute I real until I did not know, until I did not make a connection, it was all fine and dandy because, mm -hmm. you know, I had a great lover, I had a great life, I had a great career, I had a boss who was really, really respectful, who really saw my talent, always appreciated me. I was being recognized everywhere in the company, a big organization. I was also the, uh, uh, pr uh, sorry, um, the vice president of national you know employees union biggest union in australia and, mm -hmm. and suddenly i get told that my boss is my boyfriend's wife and from that my struggle began because you know i had other things in life as a child but i thought i have moved on mm -hmm. to a better future and everything and suddenly i realized because the way I have been raised, the way my parents have raised me, integrity is a big thing for me. And I didn't know how to get out of that because my heart wanted something different, but my brain did not agree. My conscience was not at all okay with it. Mm. And it became a struggle. It became everyday argument because the first thing that happened was I instantly stopped being physically involved with the person because I just couldn't get to that part ever again. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't something possible for me. Um, I just couldn't, I respected my boss so much. I learned so much from her. You know, it's, it's kind of like it, it, it be, she became a parent, parental figure. For me. And how do you do that to your own parent? You mm -hmm. can't. And one thing led to another, of course it affected my mental presence at work. It affected everything that was going on. Mind you, even after knowing that, three plus years, I still worked in that job. So total six years, I worked in that job. Three plus years, I still worked in that job. But for me, every single day was struggle. I was doing everything. I was doing well. But my heart wasn't. Mm -hmm. My heart was constantly questioning, how long do I have to do? 
knowing the fact in last three years, I had not met this person unless I just needed to meet for some practical reason, but you know, no romance, no relationship. And a part of me still respected him for things that he'd done for me. Mm -hmm. And it came to a point where I know that my boss realized something is going on. She's never admitted it, but I think she realized it. And, mm -hmm. and I knew it, that something was going on. And I, that's, that's what was upsetting for me because I could not walk up and say, yes, that's what your husband is doing. And yes, I've been a part of it. I got to a point where I told one of my best friends and I said, well, this is going on and I just can't do it anymore. I just can't. So it led to a point where situation arose. Despite being, you know, the national vice, pre uh, vice president of the union, having such a great reputation in the company and so much respect and so much authority, I just had to make a decision. And one fine day, I just didn't go to work. I just decided that's it. And it also mentally broke me. I already had lots of mental health issues and I just couldn't get out of bed. And one thing led to another. Next thing I realized, I didn't have any money left because all I had was, you know, over the next few months, I consumed rent and food and everything. I had no money left. I didn't want to tell people. My friends knew, but I didn't tell them the entire thing, like that I've left my job or anything. The shame, the pride came in between. Mm -hmm. And for, for a long time, I would just pretend that everything is okay. I would turn up, well, I lost my house. So I, the place I rented, I lost. My housemate was like, no more, you need to pay, which is obvious. Mm -hmm. um, another thing challenged for me at that time was my housemate, I found out, was a drug dealer. And she worked as a fitness instructor. instructor that's what I thought she was, but then it turned out she's a drug dealer. So I was at one time, I had a double whammy where my conscience is like, I can't do this. So I kind of walked out of that house in frustration also because I could not pay. And also because I just started feeling so scared that, wow, I'm living with a drug dealer. Mm -hmm. um, what if, you know, there's so many what ifs and it doesn't matter whether I did nothing wrong, but if you're in the house with a drug dealer, you get questioned. You, you know, you, you're part of, you, you're living there. Lots so, of things can go wrong all of a sudden, right? I mean, yeah. Absolutely. And I saw a lot of things going wrong, which is what made me decide I can't stay in this house another day. And one fine evening, I just decided I literally, believe me or not, even everything that I had, I left it. I just took a bag. I had more than 20,000 words furniture and everything sitting there. All my, like it was really, uh, you know, I had a great house. But I left. I picked up my three bags and I left. So I you literally just there. walked away. You just took your took what you could, I, I guess, and kind of walked away. I just had to because I knew from both situations, the only answer I had now was to just walk away. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. I walked away in a haze, not knowing where I'm going. Couch surfed a little bit, but it came to a point when, you know, how do you explain people why you have left a job? Yeah. Great job and you're president of the national union why have you left so i couldn't find a job 
I wasn't mentally in a state where I actually could attend an interview effectively enough to get one. Mm-hmm. And so quietly and silently for a while, I would spend my days in the morning and the, during the day in McDonald's and, you know, just pretend that I'm ordering things after another, but I ordered one meal a day only just to make sure I survived. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it came to a stage where I started living under the benches. I started hiding, you know, because cops come at night. You can't stay in the parks like that. You have to go either in the housing or you have to go somewhere. And it, I just had no strength left to even tell any friend that why do I need to couch it. So the only good thing I did was, I think that's one thing I'm grateful for that I I just always had my business clothes with me. I believe it or not, I I washed my face in you know public toilets, got ready went to interviews, came back, and then I'm, again, so I shaved and everything. You, you wouldn't know you're talking to a homeless person for mm-hmm. a long time. And uh, when you're homeless, no matter which country you live in, no matter which, how great the culture is, you see things, you experience, experience things that, you know, you only see that in movies. Mm-hmm. And they're real and they're scary. And... They're also tempting. Sometimes that you feel like, well, that's an easy way out. I could get easy money and I could just fix everything. But that's also a person like me. I can't do those things. I have never been able to convince myself to do, you know, there's an exception. I've done something which I'll share, but yeah. So that was nearly almost a year of being homelessness uh, until a friend came to my rescue and we were very different. But she just convinced me to get some help. Uh, she got me food. She got me, you know, some new clothes. And she just organized a temporary shelter for me. And I'm grateful for that. And that's the day I realized. And I, I think even before that, when I decided to ask her for help, is the day when I decided the only person who can get me out of this is me. Mm-hmm. And for that, I need to ask for help. Well, that's good you had that realization because as you, you know, as you're saying, one person made that difference, right? How one, how one, you, and you, I think when you're in a situation like that, or you see it now, I guess, standing on the outside, looking in and seeing other people who were in a similar, similar situation, you can understand how people think, well, this is hopeless. No, how can anybody help me? I need a group to help me or I need an organization. But when that's not always the fact, it's, it could just be one person that brings you to that turning point, which is what you had. A great friend showed up when you needed her, right? Right. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, for me, one thing that has always played a big role in my life is teamwork. And when I say teamwork, I'm not talking about business or offices or jobs. I'm talking about working with other human beings as a team. Mm-hmm. And that is something I learned from my parents. You know, my parents, there was no gender in my house. There was no mom and dad. There was no men's work and women's work. There was no, you know, little girls chore and little boys chores. Everything was people's work, teamwork. And we all did everything. Uh, 
I'm extremely grateful for that bit because even today, I find myself discussing with my mom and going, okay, so you do this part and I'll do this part. And by the end of the day, we'll have this done. You know, mm -hmm. no matter how far we are, no matter what we do, we always just divide things. And that became an integral part of everything I did. So for me, it was really easy, whether it's in school, in a project, whether it's starting my own business, whether it's working. One thing that I want to you know, highlight about that is when I was working in this organization, you know, where this boss I told you about, I, I loved my job. But one question that kept coming to me was, let's put it this way. The job was, you know, the department was registrar and it was an admin job, even with the, with the highest position that I actually got three uh, you know, promotions. It's still admin work. It's mm -hmm. still paperwork. It's still what we would call clerical, you know, and a lot of people find that boring and a lot of my colleagues would ask how are you always smiling how are you always excited to work how are you always so chirpy to come and type up and do data entry and forms and attend the counter how is that exciting for you and i think i have to thank my parents for that because for me everything was a project that had to have an exciting goal and every Day, I had to do something better than yesterday. So believe it or not, even something like data entry and having been promoted, I think, yes, the ego comes in for people who are like, oh, now I am at this position. Why should I be doing data entry? Mm -hmm. That never happened to me because I somehow took every task and I still do take it as a little personal challenge, a little mission. And then we, I, I compete with others. Like, okay, let's see, I'm going to do 10 forms in, a, uh, in 10 minutes. How many will you do? And I would make those, make those little competitions. Even as a senior, I would compete with my team members to do that. And suddenly what everybody found was boring became a competition, became a challenge, became something exciting. It was no more data entry. It was more about who was doing more, mm -hmm. who can do faster who can do better, who can make the least errors. So it became a game and it became a challenge and it became something that everybody wanted to be the, their best at. And that later on followed in my own you know, uh, business. And one thing about team that my father used to say is, like in a team, he, he used the term teamily. That there's nothing called team. You have a family that works as a team and that's a teamily. Team and, you know, it started as fun, but now it's part of my own business. That's how we address each other, that we are teamily because we're a family that's a team. And better, better part of our lives, we, work, we spend with each other. You know? That's wonderful. Well, first of all, it makes work fun. Absolutely. Right? And when you feel like you're part of a family, part of a team, um, people want to, you know, be more productive. They want to see for the better, the, the good of the team, right? Of the business, of the organization. So it's a great mindset to have for any, Absolutely. you know, at any job you're in, right? But if you're a business owner, definitely, because people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves and something better. And that's Absolutely. what you, you established. Okay, so you also Sorry. started a movement called Talk To Me. What is that about? How did that happen? What is it about? And what's involved with it? So talk to me movement started right after from being homeless. I finally found my ground again and finally started, you know, 
uh, finally started feeling secure, had my own income, had my, you know, uh, this is when I started the business actually. So I knew I'm going to be okay now. And as I said, the biggest hurdle in beating homelessness and beating depression and beating uh, OCD and I, I have... I have five different mental health diseases, uh, but the three that really affect me real bad is my PTSD, OCD, and uh, clinical depression. Mm -hmm. uh, so with all that going on, mental health, no finances, nothing. The biggest hurdle was none of these actually. It was me and my pride. I didn't want to ask for help. Mm -hmm. I didn't want anybody to know what I'm going through. What I, what I realized over the years is the biggest challenge a human being has is not what's happening to them, but how they're reacting to it. Mm -hmm. You know, how they're reacting to it and what decisions are they making around it. And are they working from a place of humility or are they working from a place of arrogance? And arrogance is not always about being angry, arrogant, or rude. It's also about being working from a place of ego, of pride, that's negative, a pride that's holding you back, a pride that is telling you you can't be seen as less. And when you decide that, the biggest hurdle that you create for yourself is maybe help is right around the corner. Mm -hmm. Maybe the solution is just available with the next person sitting next to you. Maybe just a friend or even a family member or even a little child in your uh, you know, life might be able to change what's happening with you. But you just are not telling them. You're just mm -hmm. not. You... My friends often said, you, you are a brave face. I didn't understand that term for a long time. It's like, what's a brave face? My face is brave. But I didn't really, I didn't pay attention and I didn't understand it until I really got it. Mm -hmm. And... I understood that that is true. I could be going through a lot, but if you get me on camera, if you get me in public setting, I could just be crying five minutes ago. And if you call me and say, hey, what's, what's happening? I'm like, oh, I'm great. What's happening to you? Yeah. You know? So I would never, ever tell people what's going on inside. And I think depression plays a role. Uh, mm -hmm. PTSD plays a role because you just are too scared to share and thing with clinical depression is you don't know what's happening. You see it coming, but you can't control it. Mm -hmm. And often, and you know, again, clinical depression is different for every single person. So I can't define or stereotype anything, but what I can say is often what happens is as a result of clinical depression, they stop talking. Mm -hmm. start, stop sharing. And when you stop sharing, you stop asking for help. And what I realized throughout my journey, when I founded this movement, Talk To Me movement, is that every single time from being a seven-year-old asking his father, what is homosexual, to workplace bullying, to being homeless, to everything, to depression, to being suicidal, Every single time, one thing helped me when I talked to somebody. When I, when somebody actually said, what's going on? Talk to me. You know, people talk about, are you okay? And all that. But I think, you know what it is? 
we don't need to ask people we don't need to tell people be positive we don't need to ask them questions are you okay we don't need to ask how are you doing mm-hmm. sometimes all we need is to say talk to me and when you hear that phrase you get this confidence that this person is really and interested to hear you out they want to know what's inside you mm-hmm. and that's when talk to me movement came uh, came about and what we really do in this is now this is not a uh, let, let me be very clear this is not an organization this is not an ngo or not for profit it's just an online campaign uh zero transactions zero money zero anything the only service that we have is really anybody can message and share what they like and all we do is number one listen patiently without interrupting we listen we understand and then if we have resources we drag them to the, those resources this is where you should, you should go and the biggest rule that we have is we don't lecture we literally say we understand and we share what we believe might be a good way to handle things but we always strongly recommend please see a professional you need to go and see a professional and you know and it doesn't you know it, I'll be very clear professional is not always a psychiatrist it could be your teacher mm-hmm. it could it could be your mother let's let's acknowledge that there's no more there's not a bigger professional than a mother she has done so many jobs she's done so many roles she has been so many things that she knows life she knows how to handle things so for me a professional is somebody who knows how to do life mm-hmm. when ask somebody how do i do this and that's what we started talk to me and i am i'm proud to say i don't have stats for you but i'm proud to say every single month we save lives just by listening to people just letting them know talk to me uh, i'm here i love that i love that like the talk to me like you had said right you know how are you doing i mean that's different but when you say talk to me it opens up that gate because i can say anything that it gives me i don't have to say i'm fine exactly that, right that is the exact point yeah there is no canned answer there's no answer that you think that i think you want to hear i just tell you what it is yes. right that's wonderful so is this a worldwide thing is it online how can people find that um you're talking yes, it is online uh so you can actually just uh, google talk to me on any social media and you can also go to my website sebastianoni.com/talktome and just really just google talk to me movement uh and probably put in my name next to it and you'll find it uh it's on facebook instagram uh linkedin uh name it you name any social media it's everywhere it's so you, uh, it, we don't have any borders so anybody can contact us anytime we do try to respond as soon as we can it's all volunteer based so anybody mm-hmm. who's logged in will help and uh you can also actually just email talk to me at sebastianoni.com that is just my name first uh, first well first last name technically speaking uh so you just write to talk to me at sebastianoni.com and you will respond within 24 hours and usually faster than that um awesome and i'll definitely include that in the podcast notes as well so people have that information because i think it's just such an amazing movement and it's something that's so positively giving like you're giving back to the whole world right i think Absolutely. that's i just love that i love that so much okay so now you've done a lot of incredible things in your life cuz you've only given us a bits and pieces of your your back story cuz there's you have like 
this just bits and pieces, right? Yes. So, but you've done a lot of really great things though um, with entrepreneurship as well. You're a multi-entrepreneur, that's what I call you because you've done so many different things. So what kind of things have you done? And I know what you're doing right now, which we're gonna talk about Germaniac as well, but tell me about what other things have you done? All right, so that's actually a very interesting question because you're right, I am a multi-entrepreneur uh, entrepreneur, and right now I am part of four brands. Uh, and none of these brands are solely mine they're all partnerships so first of all is zebastian.com which is just my first name again this is not just my brand we are partners um and very very multicultural company uh partners are from you know four different countries and uh, a team that's very very multicultural um sri lankans indians uh, americans canadians australian uh, spanish and when i name all these countries that's exactly where all of our staff are so you know we're all spread out sebastian.com is really just um not a plugin but it's 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 branding and uh you know pr services uh then we have dramaniac tv which is dramaniac tv media productions is where you and i met mm -hmm. uh is where we do shows and believe it or not it started from a fun chat it started from a fun chat, just having a conversation with Alicia Puri. Uh, she's one of my closest friends. And we were just having a chat. I was watching one of her lives with somebody else. And we said, oh, let's do a live together. And one thing led to another. And conversation became an idea. An idea became a brand. And Dramaniac originally was found by me and my ex-boyfriend uh, six years ago. But it just never became something we wanted. But I knew that I'm, I was not gonna close the brand. I was gonna do something. So I kept it and in 2018 comes and yeah, it became Romanian TV Media Productions. And now we have uh, shows that, you know, inspire conversations that help you dream big and make it happen. And then we have the B Word Company. Uh, the B Word Company is in, actually it's in, uh, a launching process. What it is is, it's, all, it's about better brands and better communities. And this is with my business partner, Carol Clark. Uh, what we're doing in this is we're consulting businesses and solopreneurs, anybody really who's running any kind of business. Number one, to help them find solutions without laying off people, cost cutting without laying off. So, you know, that's where the better brands and better communities because brands who are not only focused on, of course, business means money. Of course, business means success. But how can we do that without treating human resources as just numbers instead of being humans? So mm -hmm. our focus is how can you treat your humans as humans, your team as teamily, as I call it, uh, you know, you treat them, how do you find solutions to keep everybody and yet not, and yet run a really profitable business? And it, 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 we also have a show in there. Uh, it's called Second Chance Leadership, which is another story. <laughs> um, and then we have Actively Burns. Actively Burns is all about lifestyle services, you know, fitness from a different angle. It's not about muscles. It's not about being in shape, as people call it. It's about mental, physical, soul fitness, where you could be any shape and size. You could be doing anything, but how can you take care of yourself in a way that's enriching you from inside out and you're comfortable in your skin and you're doing the best you can for your body, for your health, uh, to just lead a better life. 
whole person. These are the four, four brands we have. Yeah. Wow. Like you've got so many different things going on. So I'm almost afraid to ask you, okay, what's next? Cause I know there's something next coming up for you too, right? What else do you have in the works or can you tell us, or cause I, I know you've got something else working. <laughs> well, uh, what we are actually planning on is, uh, so, you know, this, this Corona situation has really given us a big, uh, wake up call and none of us was expecting it. Not bigger, big businesses, not communities, not political leaders. Nobody was expecting this to happen. Nobody was expecting something of this scale to happen. It has changed our lives uh, and it has really stopped us. We had to pause. We had no choice. We, all of us had to pause. So we're launching, a, we're working on a summit uh, that's going to be 12 masterclasses, uh, which is actually going to focus on, we're bringing 12 leaders and they're all going to focus on what we are calling it is how do we do this? Mm -hmm. That's it. You know, the masterclass is called how do we do this? And we're going to cover every aspect of pandemics, uh, risks, failures, uh, change management, people not getting along, conflict management. How do we do business? How do we do life in a way that we don't stop suddenly? We don't get stopped in our tracks and we don't give up and we just keep looking at ways to keep growing, keep helping each other and creating a better world. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's still in work, so I don't have more information yet, but yeah, yes, it's, it's in works. So there is yes. something else in the works because you can't hold you down. You got to keep going, right? You got to keep finding different ways to expand, but to make everybody's life a little bit better and a little Absolutely. bit easier. And that's what you do, right? Okay. Absolutely. So before uh, we started recording, we, I, we were talking about um, COVID-19 and positivity and how, um, how some people are kind of taking the positivity on, I don't say bandwagon. What's your, what's your perspective on that? See, so there's positive and there's positive. And you know, it goes back to talk to me movement. It goes back to choosing how you have the conversation, how you start a conversation. And you could say to people, you should not do this. You should not feel this way. You should stop being so sad. We're here for you. But I don't think that helps people. For me, that's false positivity. Mm -hmm. Giving all the lectures, all what you should do, what you shouldn't do, how you should feel, how you shouldn't feel, um, and I'm not even talking about people who say, oh, you're being a drama or you're overreacting. I'm not, not at all talking about people who are insensitively telling you that you're doing something wrong with your life. I'm talking about people who are actually really being positive with you or actually saying it's all going to be okay. Don't worry. We are with you. We're your prayer warriors. We're your strength warriors. We're this, we're that. None of these people are doing anything wrong by intention. They're wanting to help people. They're wanting to lift people up. They're wanting to build each other. I think one thing that's missing is while we go on this positivity train, we forget that we're human beings. We forget that we don't have a switch. We don't have, turn it off. Now I don't have to be negative And now I'm all good because there's 10 people sitting next to me and saying we're all positive. That's not how it works. Yeah. I believe for a human being to feel positive, first of all, 
we need to allow them to feel the grief. We need to allow them to go through the stages of emotions a human being is made to go through. And not mm -hmm. just human being. Uh, but if you look at it, even animals, different organisms, you see when they're sad. They have different ways of showing it. And, you know, if you look at your and my puppy, if we yell at them, you know they're upset. Mm -hmm. You can see they're scared. You can see they're emotional. You can see that next time they come to you for three minutes, they hesitate because they're just saying, well, you didn't treat me last uh, nice the last time, right? Mm -hmm. So if an animal can tell you that without even having a language, we are human beings who have a language. We are expressive. So for me, the false positivity is what I, I term it is equally dangerous as insensitivity is as people who don't care or people who say, oh, I don't like drama because what are you doing? What are you doing is you're, t on one hand, a person will say, oh, you're too dramatic or oh, you're melodramatic. Oh, I don't do drama. You know, I'm not into these dramas and everything. What, you, what are you doing is creating a barrier. You're already saying, I'm not going to help you. You're already saying you are not doing this right. So you're already making me feel bad. Mm -hmm. Now, somebody comes with a positive perspective but they're saying, you shouldn't feel this way. You shouldn't be like this. You should come out and play with us. You should come out and go to the gym. What did you do? You just created another barrier. You're telling me what I should, but did anybody stop and ask me what's going on? Yeah. You know? So for me, it's important. The conversation should begin with, again, that talk to me and also allow a person to be angry allow a person to be frustrated, allow them to yell, scream, swear, allow them to everything that's inside to come out, let it go. Because once they have that release, physically, mentally, emotionally, they're tired, they're exhausted, but they're also freed from what was sitting inside and eating them up, becoming toxic. It's like, you know, how does, how does human body behave? If we eat something poisonous, we get sick, right? What does food poisoning do? We get sick. We start vomiting. We start throwing up because the body says, no, I had enough. This is something not acceptable. So this is where we need to let people have that verbal diarrhea, have that reaction, have that reflex, let their, allow their brain to tell them what they need to do. Allow the heart to be in sync with what they want to feel. And once they have done that, if you give them that space, now they will be more open to listen to you. Mm -hmm. Now they will be more open to listen to your ideas. Now they will. The thing is, I put it this way. If my cup is overflowing already and you're trying to add more into it, it's just going to flow out. It's just going to, nothing's going to stay. I will learn nothing. I will gain nothing. Mm -hmm. Allow me to empty my cup before you fill it with something new. True. Acknowledge your feelings, right? Because like we had talked about before, we, we haven't experienced anything like this before. We've never experienced a pandemic before and a worldwide one. So allow yourself to acknowledge what you're feeling because that's what makes us human, right? Our emotions and our feelings make us human. Well, you know, there's one thing I would say recently, WHO actually, uh, you know, admitted that until recently, until this happened, pandemic was just defined as influenza, any kind of influenza. Mm -hmm. They did not even know what to call this because pandemic was supposed to be 
a certain number of countries, a certain number of people affected by influenza or similar thing. Now, this is something new that came up. So it's the same thing. They had to empty their cup to decide what do I do? What announcement do we make so that the entire world is ready for this? So they have to empty that cup, think again, go back to the drawing board and go, you know what? This is also pandemic. This is what a pandemic is. And we need to look at the definition of pandemic in a bigger and wider way and not just by one term or one, one, one disease. And here we are. Mm-hmm. So, but the yeah, important it, step, it, I guess, too, probably, Sebastian, is to once you've emptied your cup, to refill it again, though, but with the right stuff, right? And I think that's exactly. where, yeah, it's important to You have show to make the space. And once you make that space, once you allow that to, now you have room to learn more, do more, and grow from the new information you've received. Yeah. What are you going to do with it, right? What are you going to do with it now? What can we do to make this better for yourself and for your community? Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. So how do people get a hold of you? If somebody's like, hey, I want to find out more about you or I want to find out about all these great businesses you have going on, how do people find you? Well, it's really difficult. No, not really. (laughs) You're everywhere, actually. (laughs) You you just literally search for my name. You Google and I'm stalkable. And I'm very open to, uh, you know, fun stalking. As long as you're uh, a good person, feel free to stalk me. And if you're, if you're really out there, look, I'm single. If you're a hot uh, young man, uh, young in, in your mind, uh, please stalk. <laughs> so you can just go to Zebastian.com. That's my uh, first name. So you just, uh, you know, it's S-Z-E-B-A-S-T-I-A-N.com. And you'll find me there. Or just Google uh, you know, search online Sebastian Oni and you'll find me. Or you can look for Almost Naked CEO. Awesome. And you're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, you're everywhere. Uh, if there's a social media available in this world, I'm on it. You're on, you're on it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing having you here, of course. You're just a no, wonderful person inside and out. It is my honor. It is, you know, thank you for actually giving me this opportunity. And, um, I, I just want to say I, I love what you're doing. I love, you know, uh, everyday hero. It's, it's, it says everything in itself. You know, the name itself is very beautifully uh, created. So thank you so much for actually giving me the opportunity. And I'm just so grateful that I get to meet my sister again. And I'm still working on the secret behind how do I have same sisters and sister in two countries. <laughs> the other end of the world hey well yeah. <laughs> you're one lucky fella <laughs> that's right you're just lucky my that's friend right. that's right uh, if one, one of them is not in a good mood i can go to the other one you can go to the other one <laughs> awesome thank you. thank you again and thank you so much for tuning in everyone of course you met our amazing everyday superhero today and i want you guys to always dream big and always and in always i love you catch you on the flip side Do you know a superhero should be featured on the Everyday Superhero Podcast? Hook us up. Send me an email at thedreambiglife at gmail.com.